Hi, this is David Barak from CloudPay. Welcome to part two of our discussion on payroll process metrics and KPIs. In part one, we talked about how the payroll process is measured by both vendors and customers in the global payroll industry. In part two, the panel will continue the discussion by diving right into the future state for payroll process analysis. How should payroll be measured? And how can your organization start taking advantage of the new KPIs? Extra runs, supplementary or off-cycle are extra work and therefore extra cost. If you can avoid them, you want to avoid them. Where we were looking at the paycheck uh, and breaking down the elements of opportunity. Every element on the paycheck was an opportunity to impact the, the, the accuracy of that. But it gives you that opportunity to take a look at your upstream processes, the data, the technology, and everything about how you can start smoothly, which will help guarantee success further down the line. To help you follow along with today's conversation, visit payrolefficiencyindex.com. There you'll be able to download the full report and data set that shows you country-by-country -country comparisons for each of the five KPIs and outlines ways that you can start using these KPIs in your organization. You know, as we kick off part two of our discussion, Pete, I remember when we started releasing this information and getting really transparent about the data that's available in payroll and the data that's available within the CloudPay system, one of your first comments to me was that you were surprised that a vendor would do this. You were surprised that someone would make this information public. Yeah. Can you explain why? I think it speaks, A, to your solution, right? I think CloudPay uh, obviously has a very uh, uh, strong solution and has confidence in that solution. And I think the transparency is just something that's unusual. I, you know, it, it, while most of those data points that you're showing in the PEI are certainly slanted towards client-derived issues, um, I, I really don't know of another vendor who has sort of opened up the doors and released that level of insights into their operations. So I think it just shows the ability that you have with your solution and the confidence that you have in it. Um, and, and I really think it further validates, uh, you know, the effectiveness in delivering uh, transformation for your clients. Um, I, I do also love the fact that or really like the fact that I think the PEI is something that is going to open the door for more conversations around this topic. Uh, and hopefully help the industry begin to think a little bit differently about how payroll effectiveness is measured. Um, you know, really the goal here is to shift the mindset away from those surface level metrics to get down into these deeper sets of KPIs and dig further into why payroll performs how it does um, and, and certainly supply practitioners with more insights uh, to make, you know, make trends, take trans transformative actions. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's just fundamentally a nice little uh, value add that you can give back to the payroll community to say, hey, we, we're sitting on this data. Um, we're, we're, we're deriving a lot of effectiveness for our customers and we're, we're willing to share it with the payroll community to help, help drive things forward. Yeah, Pete. And, you know, this was an internal debate here at CloudPay, of course. And John, you were part of those discussions. What was the hope? What was the idea behind making this data available to practitioners? I think anybody that's worked in, in payroll and certainly global payroll for any length of time understands that everything isn't always green uh, and there's certainly things below the surface that you need to be able to work on collaboratively with your customers um, and to do that you have to be transparent otherwise as well as the customer suffering the service teams that I run and look after they also suffer if we have bad process um, 
So I think this is the, the way to, to, to move things forward. And, and we've had this approach um, in regular one-to-ones with our customers for, for a number of years. Um, so I, I think the next step was, was to, to kind of release everything that we've gathered uh, and, and see if that can help help move this along. Absolutely agree with that, right? This is how the entire industry gets better. So speaking of transparency, why don't we outline what the five KPIs are and define them? John, do you want to get us started? So let's start with, with first-time approval. So first-time approval for us means that the first time we complete the payroll processing and the first time we share the results with the customer, the customer is happy and satisfied with those results and is able to approve the payroll at the first time of asking. Simple as that. And that's expressed as a percentage. So what percentage of the time did the customer just accept the outcome that we gave them on first attempt? Correct. Then we've got data input issues. So when we, for payroll, we need data to come to us. We need the variable change data new hires, terminations, all of these kind of wonderful things that that we see so much of in in payroll. What we're looking at here is how accurate was that data when it was presented to us? Because it's pretty important to get to the right calculation to have the right inputs. Um, And how we look at this is the percentage of errors caused by input of incorrect or incomplete employee payroll data. Right, and the quality of that data must also be a function of where the data is coming from. So what, what is usually the host system or the systems that we rely on for payroll input data? If we're really lucky, a lot of it's coming from the core HCM platform. Uh, that isn't often always the case and it can come from all sorts of funky weird places, TNA, little bits of spreadsheets that some commission teams maintaining downloads from government portals, all sorts of bits and pieces. But what we're really looking here is anything that the customer needs to provide to us, whether it's an automated interface or some kind of manual process, how often are they able to give us that data in a way that is complete and accurately? Right. And I've seen, we dive pretty deep into the details of where that data is coming from. But uh, so what are the other three KPIs, John? So next we're looking at issues per 1000 payslips. Um, 1,000 just gives us a nice number to look at, but what we're looking at is, is every time we produce 1,000 payslips, how many issues, separate issues, could be anything for, from data input to a processing error, how many of those type of issues have we encountered per 1,000 payslips that we've produced? You got that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. All right, so our fourth calendar length, Oh, how we love calendars in payroll. Uh, All about having a pay date, working back from there and getting to uh, a cutoff date, a date where you freeze the the data set and begin running your calculation on on that batch of data. So here we're measuring the number of days, business days, it takes to complete payroll processing from the time we lock or freeze that data set to the time the customer provides their approval on the results from that calculation of said frozen data set. All right, and our fifth, supplemental impact, which we measure by the percentage of payroll runs completed as supplementary or off-cycle runs. Why is this interesting? 
extra runs, supplementary or off cycle are extra work and therefore extra cost. If you can avoid them, you want to avoid them. So, so by measuring this, because they're, kind, they're also unpredictable, so they add more risk, they're kind of, they're non-scheduled, you don't have a set timeline for them. That's a good reason to try and avoid them. So by starting to measure how often they're happening, in which countries and which customers are having them more often than the benchmark, you can dive into the root cause of why that's happening and try and figure out how you stop so many supplementary or off-cycle runs coming into that particular payroll. Thanks for kind of identifying those five and we'll, we'll jump into them um, each individually. And maybe this is not a fair question to the group, but maybe let's start by asking what your favorite KPI is of these five and, and why. So JP, since uh, I know you're particularly passionate about these, uh, what's the favorite KPI? And, and maybe you can elaborate a little bit on why you find that that's one of your best KPIs to measure. So I love first-time approval. I get super excited when I start talking about first-time approval. In global payroll, the single bigger, the, sing, the single most important metric that can tell you if your end-to-end -end process has, has, has gone as optimal as possible, where everybody in that process has done well, has performed well, is if you can go from start to the end with no rework. So every time a payroll gets rejected and you have to rerun it, the vendor's doing more work, but the customer's also doing more work. There's more validation, there's more inputs to collect, there's all of this kind of rework. This is what causes customers to go red. If you can get to that first time approval and you start to track that and you start to measure it, it can really give you an indication of how clean and how optimized that particular payroll process is. And guess what? If you find payroll processes that are clicking into the 90%, of first time approval, you can go and figure out why that's doing so well and you can go and reuse that on other payrolls and start to really make use of those process improvements across countries, across customers, across all payrolls. And that's why I love it. And that's why that's, uh, that's, why that's your favorite KPI. Now sit back, John, I can tell you're really excited about this KPI, we'll come back to you. And I could tell Eric's excited to talk about his favorite KPI, but let's start with Pete. Uh, what's what's your favorite? So I actually have a couple, to be honest with you. My, my second favorite is, is calendar length. I think that's one area that I would say historically payroll practitioners have probably, especially in bigger organizations, have probably struggled with because often you're sort of uh, handcuffed, if you will, to, to certain legacy um, you know, collective bargaining agreements or maybe um, you know, mergers and ac acquisitions that created multiple um, cycles within your payroll that you can't get away from. Uh, and so I think that's an area that 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 maybe needs more attention and more focus to help organizations deal with. But I'd say my favorite and where I would I would say the reason for that is, is, is I think it gives you the most bang for the buck is the issues per 1000 pay slips or, or whatever your threshold is uh, per, you know, per per numbers. Um, but I think, you know, when I think back to my time as a payroll practitioner and, and some people know I, I managed payroll for Disney for a while, uh, a very high touch, extremely difficult, complicated uh, media and entertainment uh, payroll with everything from cruise lines to movie studios to theme parks. Um, we had it all. Um, but what we focused... I'm not jealous. I'm definitely not jealous. <laughs> we focused so heavily, though, on um, on payroll anomalies and errors. Um, we actually even got to a point where we were, we were kicking around and working with some Six Sigma style 
um, work where we were looking at the paycheck uh, and breaking down the elements of opportunity. Every element on the paycheck was an opportunity to impact the, the, the accuracy of that. And so I think when you begin to dig into why did a paycheck have an error, you can unfold a lot of things that you didn't realize as you continue to do that why, why, why questioning and you push into that. And I think, I think at the end of the day, you can even find that they tie back to things like approvals and, and, and data, data submissions and um, you know, a, a other factors that sometimes aren't being understood or, or, or even being addressed. And maybe it is only uh, one group of, uh, of the business that's actually causing the impact, or maybe it's not, maybe it's others, but you won't know that until you really press into that. And so I think, I think where you can get a lot of, uh, of again, bang for your buck and, and, and get the most out of it, I think, is, is from the issues per 1,000. Really varies by country as well, uh, based on the complexity there. Absolutely. And picking up on what Pete said there, I think, you know, it takes us nicely into the data input issues. So again, certain countries may have requirements, uh, scanned documents, data in various formats that's naturally more complicated. So therefore is leading you into seeing perhaps higher issues in those countries. But it gives you that opportunity to take a look at your upstream processes, the data, the technology and everything about how you can start smoothly, which will help guarantee success further down the line. Yeah, this is where you'll find that one percent, right? <laughs> is in this uh, is in this detail is in the issues per you know per the you know number that you're that you're studying. You know, we we've really just covered two of the of the five KPIs. Obviously, uh, you touched on calendar length a little bit, Pete, as your second favorite metric, and why. I wonder how our customers feel about that calendar length metric, how they benchmark against that. So, Eric or John, what are your thoughts on that? I think calendar length is really interesting because it, there's so many factors that are impacting our, our, the various countries that we've got benchmarks on. Um, the Latin American countries that you see um, with the shortest calendar windows, that, that, that's typically reflective of the, the, the increased frequency of payroll that happens over there. Mainly in Europe and, and APAC, you, you, it's so common to have the monthly pay frequency. You go over to North America and South America, you'll see much more a semi-monthly or a bi-weekly frequency. So you've just got less time to do your processing in it, and that just drives you a shorter window. But I also think, you know, you can see the US up there with a short window. I think it's also a reflection of the relative maturity of the the payroll gross and the engines in those countries i think if you look at how sophisticated and feature rich us payroll software can be and how automated it is i think that's a massive driver in how they are delivering very shortened payroll cycles and it's also an expectation of the buyer in that in that territory to have a, a much reduced frequency through, from maybe a, a france that you're seeing on the other end of the scale with a much longer calendar length um, in play. John, what was kind of one of the top 10 for um, calendar length globally? At shortest, we've kind of got the Brazil and the Argentina and Canada and US. Um, longest, you kind of got your Switzerland's and your France and your Israel's. Um, which tend to be monthly frequency, so you've got a longer period to play with, but they they're also, you would say, some of the more complex payrolls around. Um, however, you'd also say that Brazil payroll is pretty complex and so is US. So it's trying to understand a bit more than, than the calendar length is a bit more than just 
payroll complexity. It's also a reflection of, of culture uh, in those countries, um, pay frequency and relative maturity of payroll software. And this sort of applies to the supplemental impact KPI as well, right? None of these KPIs on their own are sufficient. Maybe the first time approval is a is one that can stand on its own, but some of the other ones really require you to triangulate. Yeah, totally agree because you're looking. So again, we see Brazil again, number one uh, country for having the highest amount of sup runs. Now that's partially to do with the just the in-country regulations of of holiday pay, termination pay, uh, things things like that. But it's also um, when you look. It's also a very complex country, but then you see it has it's got a really short calendar window, so it's got a high number of SAP runs, not much time to process the payroll in, but actually it's got quite a high first time approval rating, and so it's really trying to understand how do those metrics tie together that I think is really interesting, and, and, and looking at them at the whole gives you some really good perspective on what you should expect as a uh, as as a buyer in any particular territory and what does good look like for that country. Um, and, and you can see there's some real significant variations in just the, in, in the five metrics that we supplied in this report. Clearly, there's a lot to consider when it comes to global payroll technology and finding the right solution for your business. That's why so many global organizations engage in an RFP process to understand their own requirements and the vendor landscape. At paydaypodcast.net, you'll find a resource that might save you a lot of time and money in starting that process. We've put together a RFP template that's designed specifically to help you understand your payroll needs and navigate your options. It's free for you to download and use. Just visit the resources section on paydaypodcast.net. Now, let's get back to the show. So let's continue our discussion of your favorite metric of the five new KPIs and why. Now, Eric, we haven't heard from you for part two yet. What is your favorite KPI and why? My favorite KPI, I, I would agree with first approval, to be honest, uh, because it's, an, it's a complete one. So, uh, John, I fully agree with you. Although <laughs> I'm a fan of data input issues, because if you start with wrong data it can never end well so it may good input will provide the whole base for having a, a good first approval so i'm i'm a fan of looking at data issues where they come from and uh, what you can do about it the other thing is if you ask me how to look at it i would always look at the standard metrics uh, that we all have mentioned now before but then look at it as a trending you no know? i prefer to see it as a trending and then benchmarking it to a population or to a branch or to a market uh, and in that sense you can know where where do we stand what is the trend, what we're having in all these different KPIs? So basically what you're doing with MPS also, right? You know, you're looking at a point in time and then what's the movement? Is it getting better? Is it getting worse? And it's something that I think in cloud people very well are able doing that with all the different KPIs. That's a really good point, Eric. I think trend analysis and reviewing the trend around these KPIs is going to be a big part of understanding how to continue optimizing. Now, do you think we're at a point where we can start looking at this data by industry and population size? Personally, it's a good question. By the way, you opened this because I wouldn't like to do, uh, for example, shipping in the Netherlands or offshoring in France. It would be not my favorite peril to run. I think it's a very difficult one. If you put those as an example, 
it would be a very crazy KPI. It could be. Um, but what I what I do think that some some companies have developed. Some companies have uh, an insight. Want to have this insight? They want to go further and more in detail. But in general, I don't think the market is as far as that. So I, there's still a long way to go. And we are helping. I hope we are helping in this case, saying, okay, this is what we can provide standard. This is what we have, and this is what will um, well give a, a wider insight in in all our clients. So yes, and the. What we call the um, the comparison with branch and market. I don't think this is standard at all uh, to have a big population and set it off against your own market, your own branch. But that would make full sense because then uh, the, the the relevance of your KPIs is is much higher. I think I agree with Eric. We've got a we've got a long way to go um, with what we're actually doing with this data and how much further we can we can take it as time moves forward. Um, but I also I think it's really important to call out that these KPIs don't just ma uh, measure the vendor's performance. Some of our customers have extremely large internal payroll teams that support the the, pay the delivery of the payroll uh, to their own employees. Uh, and certainly a number of our customers are starting to use some of these measurements such as data input and first time approval to also measure their own internal team's performance. And I think it's really valuable that we're able to give a customer some support in managing and understanding how well their own team performs as well as us, the vendor that's contracted. No, I, I was just going to say, I, th I think that's a really good point that um, I think you've, you've actually brought up a few times um, that I would just like to call out is that I think that this, you know, it's important to understand that while, you know, we're talking about what a vendor should be providing and what they should be supplying, when you're in an outsourced engagement, especially for something like payroll and HR, you're very much in a partnership um, and you're, you're hoping that that vendor is, is an extended uh, version of your team and working in collaboration with you. But I think you have to do a bit of, of internal looking first to say, are we part of the problem? How can we clean up and, and, and do a better job of understanding how we're performing before we can ask our vendor to do something like that, or maybe in concert? So I think there's a collaborative element to this that says you have to kind of do some in, inward looking, some external looking, and then trying to meet in the middle to make it, uh, you know, to make it work for everybody. So I think there's this, to me, the PEI, I think, starts this dialogue more more uh, more broader, right? It gets everyone kind of beginning to talk about this, right? If they have access to something like this, they can begin sitting down and looking at it and saying, hey, how do I compare to this from a benchmarking perspective? How can I get to something like this? And I think that's, um, I think that's the beauty of it, to be honest. Yeah, ab absolutely. Pete. I agree with that. And, and JP in that, you know, you look at the standard SLA, it almost sets the dialogue as a one directional um, relationship. You, the vendor, need to meet these standards and i think some of these kpis really reframe the conversation around how do we as a partnership ensure that these kpis not just are good to start but also keep trending upwards and of course this conversation is broader than just the five kpis we talked about today in fact i saw that we were developing a new kpi today that i think will again be universally applicable to borrow some of Eric's terminology. And I want to get the group's thoughts on it. So the KPI was specifically about delays in the payroll process and the data points were pretty granular. So I saw that, you know, it would say in country X, your payroll process was delayed by 0.25 hours for this reason. So the fact that we were able to 
measure this in you know hourly increments and pinpoint the specific reason for delay was quite impressive to me. But my question is, what's the genesis of a KPI like that and how is it going to help the payroll process? Sure. So I think um, where that one has come from is for a long time we've recorded where we haven't been given data at the time of cutoff when it's been received after the cutoff. And that's really interesting to know. But living in the real world of global payroll, you will always get some late data after your perceived cutoff. What becomes really interesting to understand is that data half an hour late or is it two working days late? Because when you look at some of your calendar length metrics that we've already started to record, if you suddenly take two days out of your payroll processing cycle, all of that time that you've put aside to provide the right level of quality, to allow to course correct if there is a major issue coming along, you've chewed that up at the start of the, of the cycle. It's important to recognize if that becomes a trending issue in a particular country or a particular payroll. And certainly by looking at that specific uh, metric on a regular basis, we've been able to understand and work with a customer where one particular piece of the customer's business wasn't able to get us data um, in alignment with the calendar and where the rest of the business was providing data and was consistently compressing that timeline uh, and putting pressure on both us as the as the processor but also on the on on the customer's payroll team so i think we we are actively capturing the raw data for for, for that um period of delay and I, and i think as we move forward we'll increasingly start to use that to help us diagnose and, and solve uh, um, some of the, the issues that lead from that from that kind of um, time delay on, on receiving the, the inputs for payroll. And Zoe, I want to get your thoughts on this because not everyone has this data available to them right now, or maybe they're not using a vendor that could make it available. So what are some steps they can take to overcome that and to perhaps do this DIY? So first of all, download uh, the report so you've got the benchmarks and then have a look at what you've got available to you now, what data is available. Have conversations with your current payroll provider about other data that they may be able to share with you and record and start building that data set yourself to be looking for your own KPIs. Yeah, I think um, if you can't get your hands on it from a real-time application, you can always do it the old-fashioned way. You can build it in spreadsheets and start doing your own analysis and if your vendor can't help you you can do it yourself um, there's nothing to stop you once you you've got some benchmarks to look at from through this report you can certainly start to collect some basic additional kpi data that you, you can start having an understanding of of what should i look at and what does good look like and then use that data to request perhaps operational review meetings with your current payroll provider um, and talk about you know, what's, what's leading to that data, the story behind that data, helping you identify those opportunities to improve. And I think one of the things about uh, the report is it actually provides a formula or a structure for how you, you might be able to use your existing data to go and make those manual calculations. Right? So it's, it's another thing you can look at beyond just the benchmark. So as we wrap up the podcast, I'd love to get this panel uh, to offer one piece of advice to payroll practitioners that are looking to improve how they measure payroll. So what's the one thing you'd have them go back to their organization and do or think about uh, to really start changing 
how they measure payroll. We understand this is a process. You don't just go from two SLAs to a, um, a portfolio of KPIs. So John, what, what would you offer as a recommendation? Be curious and be open-minded to change. Um, and I, 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 you know, I can say this because I'm in the industry, but, but payroll isn't the fast-changing industry that maybe some others are. So I think it is trying to raise that awareness that we are trying to get better as an industry by using technology. Just be curious and just be open to change and that will help you get started. Yeah, start with that mindset of how can I understand what's going on in my payroll? That's your first step to the journey of figuring out the data and what you'll be recording. Yeah, for being at risk of everything saying the same, repeating, because I think we agree on one main of the topics. Um, I think just have a look at what you think you are measuring at this point in time, right? Because some people are not even looking at it, just running the payroll. Sometimes it's like a, it's almost like a rat race, no? Having the payroll has to go out at a certain point in time. You have to get the people paid. I think it's just good, you know, think about it, sit still and say, look, okay, what am I measuring? Uh, you can use our report, of course, to say, okay, well, some, some directions, some help. Uh, but what am I measuring and where can I go? What can I improve? So uh, I'm absolutely aligned with Zoe and, and John here. Yeah, David, I, I would just add, you know, I, I, I uh, heard the um, uh, comment earlier about being curious. I, I think that's the key, right? That's where you start. Be, be curious about what you're seeing. Um, push on those things that are giving you the most pain. Um, and I think, I think you really do, you know, to your point about uh, vendors who maybe or buyers who don't maybe have access to these uh, metrics currently. You know, it's. Uh, I think you could, you should start collaborating, right, with your with your vendor. Start understanding how they're approaching uh, metrics and measuring uh, capabilities around their their processes, and and engage them uh, as the, your expert. They, they are the expert. Um, that's why they were hired. Uh, engage them with what your concerns are and what your needs are, um, and and take that curiosity and that research and your own, um, you know, assessment of where you are and where you want to be. And, and, and collaborate with your vendor to really, you know, engage them and see how you can uh, leverage their capabilities and their, uh, what they can provide you in order to, to, to help you start making steps towards where your, where your goal is. It's going to be hard to say goodbye, but I think we're at the end of our episode. Thank you, everyone, for being part of this discussion. I think we had some very interesting perspectives, and I hope those of you listening take an opportunity to listen to our other episodes or download our payroll efficiency index to get started with some of this data and some of the analysis. And to the panel, thank you very much for joining this episode and making this a lively discussion. Thank you, David, for organizing. Great. Thank you. Thanks for joining another episode of the Payday Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. To listen to our previous episodes or to subscribe, visit paydaypodcast.net.